Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're going to be in John chapter 17. If you want to go there on your phone or on your tablet or in God's Word, a paperback that you may have, we're going to end up there. But I want you to understand something. I am extremely concerned in one particular area, and it kind of fits with Memorial Day weekend and with this theme of Wise Up. I'm really concerned that we actually approach salvation and what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And if we're not careful as believers, we approach it like it's, it's butterflies and rainbows when it may actually be a whole lot harder than what we realize. Like I think a lot of times we, if we're not careful, we can portray having a relationship with Jesus Christ accepting Christ our Lord and Savior, and having salvation through Jesus' death on the cross, we'll portray that as, man, it changed my life. Everything has been totally different. Man, and I've been obedient. I've created margin in my life, and I've been obedient with different things in my life, my times, my treasures, my talents. I'm doing all, and man, God has just blessed me so much. And the person on the outside may look at it almost like an investment tool and say, wow, you know, This is a pretty good investment. I think I want this too. And then they get into a relationship with Christ and they go, wow, this is hard. Like extremely hard. You know, in Scripture, I get so tickled because Scripture talks about the harvest. He says in Luke, he says, the fields are white into harvest. Pray for the workers. It's the workers that are few. I think it's amazing that when he talks about spiritual growth or a relationship with Christ, that he refers to it as a harvest. The reason why I get so intrigued with that is, has anybody ever grew up on a farm or, or had a garden or been around when something comes in and when you have to harvest it? Let me tell you from experience what that means. Long days. Lots of sweat. I've been watching these guys recently, like everything's hitting, and they're like, oh my goodness, I've got this short window to cut the hay down, bell the hay, put the hay up. I remember when they had square bells, and we used to throw those things up into the top of of the barn and trying to stack that stuff before they had round bells with just a spike at the end of the tractor. But all these different things, I remember when the green beans were in, you had to pick them. Like to not get the stuff off the vine, it would stop growing, it would stun it, it would start to rot, the birds would eat. And here's the bottom line, listen, harvesting is hard. Like it's hard. You say how hard? Whatever word you would like to use. Keep it clean, please. But it's hard. But then we approach this aspect of relationship with Christ and living in God's word, and we act like, oh, it's just, it's just a piece of cake, you know, you just... Bow your head, close your eyes. If you don't go to hell, raise your hand. Now say this prayer. Now come forward. We're going to baptize you next week. Now isn't life great? And that's just not the truth, is it? Now don't mishear me. I do not believe there's a greater decision that any person would ever make bigger than accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I want to let you know that it's not easy. I don't want to be this, this pastor up here kind of be like, huh, it's the greatest thing you're ever going to do. Everything just, you're, you, some of you are still going to have addictions. Some of you are still going to have struggles in relationships. Some of you are still going to have struggles with parenting. Some of you are still going to have struggles with children. You're still going to have struggles with work. You're still going to have to struggle sometimes for the ends to meet. 
But I'll also say, as hard as it gets, there's probably nothing more rewarding. With that being said, why do we need to wise up? What is it about a relationship with Christ because it's so hard that we need to understand? And I think we can get an understanding of just how hard this life is going to be, though we have a relationship with Christ, and it seals our final destiny, but it doesn't seal what's going on in our world. In fact, I want to give you a little bit of freedom today because most of us have probably the most, most misquoted Scripture that's actually not even found in God's Word in our mind that helps identify why it's so hard. It's a biblical concept. I'm going to give you the biblical concept in John chapter 17. But there's no verse that says what I'm about to say. But most of you, when you hear somebody say it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's out of God's word. It's not. The concept is out of God's word, but there's no verse. Jesus never said, listen to these words, Jesus never said to be in the world but not of it. Most of us say, oh, I know that. That's a great verse. Well, do yourself a favor. Find it. That's not there. There's no verse that Jesus said, hey, you be in the world, just not of it. But what he does is he has a prayer. And his prayer is filled in John chapter 17 for you because of who you are and how hard things are going to be. We're going to start at the back and work our way forward. I'm going to start in John chapter 17, verse 20, just so I can identify with you who he's talking about. And he says this, I do not ask for these only. And what he's talking about is he was praying for the disciples. And he was praying for God's word. And he was praying for those that were out there. But what he said was, I'm not only praying for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Guess who that is? That's you and me. Jesus literally is praying over the people that would all experience him through his word, God's word, the scripture. Well, why was he praying? Well, let's back up and let's go through this prayer. Starts in verse 13. It's actually before that, but where we're going to pick up in the prayer is verse 13. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The first thing, if you're taking notes that you may want to write down, is you have to understand that as hard as things may get in this thing called life, in this thing called choices, as you are in the world, but God's calling you to not be of it, even though it's not a scripture, it is a concept, it's you the whole thing. But the reason why is because that's where the joy lies. Literally, Christ is praying to his Father, and he's saying, even though these people are going to be in this world, he prays some things over them. But the heart of the whole situation is that Christ wants you to have the joy that only he can give that will surpass who you are. And then listen to the things that he says. It's in the next several verses. This is not going to take a long time because it's so obvious. In verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Like you need to understand, all of this started, the Wise Up series started because I was sitting 
watching the news, watching the craziness, watching all the stuff, watching it for the last year and a half, watching it for the last two years, five years. It's just like constant. And you sit there, and at some point you go, what is going on? Like all of a sudden, things that never were debated are now debatable. Things that were always the truth, all of a sudden are not the truth. Like you show up at a restaurant and you're like, I don't know what restroom to go to. Like I'm not going to get on all these social hot topics. It's a very simple way. I'm not going to describe it right now, but I guarantee you, you can figure it out. But all of a sudden, it's like the world has gone crazy. And you're going, what, what, how did we get here? And listen to me, I'm not trying to get into anybody's feelings. I'm not talking about any sort of a political statement. I'm not talking about anything. Listen, my stance on a lot of these things are very biblical, and and you're not going to like this part of me. But to be honest with you, I don't care what side of the news you're listening to, I don't think either one of them is telling you the whole truth. I think both of them are pretty jacked up. And they got millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of reasons why to do it like this because we kind of fall in hook, line, and sinker, and it's a billion-dollar business. I don't know who you can trust, but I know where you can trust. And it started by saying, here's what he prayed. He prayed because you've received his word, understanding. This is Jesus praying to his Father, and the world's going to hate them for it. You know what that tells me? That wisdom's wisdom no matter how people respond. Do you say, Mickey, do you, you got to be careful with what you say? I, I personally think that you're never going to go wrong by loving people well. But you never love people so well that you stop doing what God's called you to do. You know, I think you can love God and you can love people. and You don't have to compromise those two. But I also think that you have to understand the reason why you got to get into God's word, the reason why we need wisdom, the why behind all this is because you just need to know it's not butterflies and rainbows out there. When you decide to live out a Christian life and accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and get into his word, he says you're going to be hated for it. Now think about the word hate. I can remember a time when you weren't supposed to use it like that was a bad word. You don't hate people. Mickey, don't ever say that you hate somebody. Okay, I just really don't like them a whole lot. That's fine. But don't say hate. Never understood that because in my heart I was like, well, that's fine, but hate's the only word that really fits this situation. But that's what it says the world's going to do with you. You say, Mickey, why is that important? Because I think when we define the expectations, then we can adjust, right? We're not so reactive, we're not surprised. Like Jesus himself has prayed for you, prayed for me, and he says, because you've received my word, you just need to know you're going to be hated for it. But then somebody kind of throws down that hate towards us, and we're like, my feelings are hurt. I can't believe they they hurt my feelings. Why do they hurt your feelings? You know that's going to hate you. Like standing up for what's right is not easy. Fighting for people's freedom is not easy. 
I am amazed at the amount of people that sign up and serve our country, understanding that you're going to enlist for four years, and depending on what's going on, yes, there is an opportunity that you could lose your life for people that pretty much are spitting in your face. I'm astonished that people do that. You say, Mickey, what do you do about it? I, I, I admire the fool out of them. And I make sure that every Sunday that everything that we do is directly in God's word to honor those people that have served our country. But when people go to war, you know what they realize? It's war. Like they don't go into battle and be like, okay, listen, I mean, I really don't want to have to hurt you. So if we can work this out. No, they go to war and they realize that it's a war. Guess what? You better wise up and realize that yes, everywhere that's going right now in our culture, this counterculture, this cancel culture mentality, it's a war. You say, Mickey, you gonna get on? I'm not gonna get on anymore. I'm just telling you the truth. It's a war. And you know what wars have? Casualties. That's the reason why Jesus prayed this. But listen to what he said in the next verse. Not only that the world would hate you, he knew it. He knew it. And he said, because, of, because they are not of this world, just I am not of the world. Now listen to the next verse, verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Now right there is where everybody's going to get the, the saying, right? Well, that's the verse. God said to be in the world, but not of it. It's not a verse. It's a biblical concept. It's something that he wants you to take his word and realize that because you know his word, you're going to be hated for that. But he knows how powerful you are, so much so that he didn't say, and Lord, will you take them out of the world? He says the exact opposite. He said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm just telling you to keep them from the evil one. Who's the evil one? John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like a war. That sounds like a war. But he didn't stop there. He kept in the next verse. Verse 17. Here's where he gives you a little bit of, of, of information. Sorry, verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And then verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. See, here's what's amazing is, is there's this major concept that's going on in most people's life that have a relationship with Christ. And I don't understand why we don't necessarily understand this. But God's word, which is literally his inspired, like it's breathed by the Lord. Like this is like earlier I said that you could go into Proverbs and be able to study Proverbs and you talk to the wisest man that ever lived because that's who was inspired to write that. But you also have the creator of the world, the, the universe, this, this person that spoke. In fact, I'll give you a little bit of an understanding. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when God started speaking into existence the heavens and the earth, if you do a little bit of study, do you realize that the expansion of the universe is still expanding? 
It wasn't that he created a few stars and a planet and it stopped. He spoke, and his words are so powerful that even to this day, the universe, the expansions are still growing. That's the reason why, hey, there's stars we didn't know that just, there's new stars every year. You know why? Because God didn't say stop. Just like he ain't stopped on you. See, God speaks from what we call a present active indicative voice. If you study Greek a little bit, there's all these different verb tenses. My favorite is present active indicative because in present active indicative verbs, when God speaks, he does it in the moment, but it keeps going in the future and it doesn't stop till he says to stop. And you know the most of the majority of the time when Jesus is using those types of verbs in the New Testament, it's when he's talking about praying for you and your salvation. Your salvation is not a fleeting moment where, oh, my goodness, now I don't have to worry about going to hell anymore. Now Jesus said, no, no, I am working out your salvation. I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I want you to keep going with this thing, but understand what's really going to be going on. Don't mishear me. I believe once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's it. It seals the deal. You don't ever have to worry about where you're going to spend eternity. But you're fooling yourself if you think that's the stopping point in your relationship with God. It'd be the equivalent of me and my wife giving birth to a child and looking at the doctors and going, "Woohoo, we did it. See you later. Everybody go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, life is just beginning. But we get that backwards in salvation, don't we? That's what he's talking about. Like, I want to challenge you in a very big way. Because I want you to know that this thing called Christianity is hard. I mean, it's extremely hard. I'm not saying it's not fulfilling. I'm not saying it's not worth it. In fact, I would tell you, Scripture speaking, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? I promise, I know it's the right decision. It's the godly decision. But I don't want you to think that it's going to be easy. It's not just this shell game like, woohoo, you got Jesus, good job. But it's going to take a commitment. It's going to take a major, major, major commitment. And you know what the first commitment for most of us in the room, including the pastor on stage? You know what the first commitment we can make that would change everything? Just like we talk about American soldiers, you know what the first thing an American soldier does? He goes to boot camp. You know the first thing that you need to do? You need to retrain yourself mentally and get into God's word. I am astonished. I am astonished. Listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. Like this is, this was me getting like, we really wrestled this week and so much so that I went up to camp a couple of times just because I was like, I just got to get away. I just, this is rough. Listen to me. You're not going to get the things that you desire in your life from the Lord not being in his word. Just know that. It's not going to happen. Oh, Mickey, I don't have time to really spend time in God's word or study God's word. Then just don't worry about it. Just realize you're not going to get all the things that you think that you need. It's going to be a hard battle. You are showing up for a war and you are ill-prepared. You have no ammo and you don't even know what's going on. The word that we find out in military terms is is you are the type of people that create friendly fire. You end up destroying the wrong people. 
You say, well, Mickey, I don't, you know, some of us got real jobs. Unlike you, I got to actually go to work. Hey, listen, I'm not going to argue with that. I get it. I'm not going to downplay. Obviously, there's a calling and there's a, you know, there's a real job. And I'm saying, I get what you're saying. Like at some point, can I, I mean, listen to me. At some point, can we just call it what it is and say, listen, if you truly want to go and grab a hold of what God has in your life, it's going to require you to have a little bit of effort. You say, Mickey, I don't, I don't know where to start with, with God's word. I, don't, I mean, where do I even start? Go right out here to this table when we leave. Miss Angie's going to be sitting there. She's an amazing coach. She does our guest services. They have Bibles there. They're ESV study Bibles. They're the most phenomenal Bible I've ever seen in my life. They're $40. They're normally $100. Just get one. I ain't got $40. Just go tell Miss Angie. Angie, just give my Bible. If you'll commit to getting into it, I'll give it to you. You say, well, Mickey, you're, well, I, I'm not giving it to you. Generous people at this church have already paid for those Bibles for you to have one if you can't afford the 40 bucks. But if you get it, I hope every time you look at it, you know that by golly, I better get into it. And I'm not talking about just somebody that's 30 years old. I'm talking about the people that are 14 years old too. You're not going to get where you're wanting to go being ignorant about God's word. You've got to wise up. And then the last few scriptures, starting in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for, those, for their sake, I consecrate myself, and that they also may be sanctified in truth. You know, that, those words, consecrate and sanctified, are actually two words that can be interchangeable. The difference is, is it's the way that it works. For example, I asked you guys to get a communion cup. We're not doing it right now. But in church life, depending on different denominations, there's some people that a a pastor or a priest would, would pray over bread and they would make something that is everyday ordinary and because of their prayer, now they've made it mean something that is sacred or holy. It's meant to be something more than just bread, right? Now it's symbolizing Jesus' body that was broken for you. They'll take grape juice or, or wine and they will bless it and they will give it to people. And all of a sudden now it's not just grape juice or wine. What is it now? Now it's, it's been made holy. It's been got purpose to it. It's representing his blood that he freely gave on the cross that through his blood we could have eternal life. Just like a lamb that was everyday ordinary, but at Passover was slaughtered and put on the doorpost and God came by and when he saw that blood mark on the doorpost, he would pass by them knowing that it was just an ordinary lamb. But in that moment, it became something holy. And listen to what he says. He says, I do that to myself. See, Jesus' whole life was built around him putting himself into a situation so that he could do something that you didn't have the ability to do. Which is sanctify yourself. You say, well, Mickey, what is sanctify? That's kind of a churchy word. What does it mean to be? Same word. It's to make holy. He says, I consecrate myself so that I can make them holy. I can give them purpose. I can make them to go from everyday ordinary people to extraordinary people that have a purpose 
that though the world's going to hate them, though things are going to get tough, come hell or high water, they will be able to stick to it because they know my word, my word's in them, my life is in them, and it's going to get them through it. But you know what happens in a war? There's always a casualty. Jesus Christ, yet fully man, yet fully God, in the war over your soul, said, I'll be the casualty. Take my life. Though I am perfect and blameless, he who has and knows no sin will take on the sin of all. Why? Because he knows in war, in order to win a war, for people to have freedom, there has to be a casualty. And you know what he does with that casualty? Before they even knew what was going on, I'm going to flip real quickly. It's an amazing story. You've done it many, many times. I think it's important for us to do it. On, it's, I do it out of Luke. It's Luke chapter 22, verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. So he's literally telling them, there is something that's coming. I have been telling you, I'm not always going to be able to be with you. Of course, Peter's like, well, where are you going, God? I'll go wherever you want. Peter, before the crow cries three times, you're going to deny me. Oh, not me. Wherever you're going, I want to go. He says, well, I'm going. I go to prepare a house that has many rooms. And if I go, I will come back to receive you. Of course, old Peter, the Mr. I got out of the boat guy, he's like, oh, man, not me. I'm going with you. You can't go. Let me tell you what's, what's heartbreaking to me about our country and our culture. Is the people that can't go want to live like they did. And the people that did go come back and all they want is to have other people live. You know, it's at that point, if you don't mind, you can open that top part. That he's trying to explain to them something that's coming, and he literally looks at them, says, I earnestly desire before I suffer, and then look what he says. For I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourself. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. And they ate. Just like I said a minute ago, he took a cup. And he blessed it. And he divided it. And he said, This is my blood. Take and drink. And then there's something in the Gospel of Luke that is so much different than the other accounts in the other three Gospels. Listen to these words. It's amazing 
It's at the end of verse 19. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. You may tell you why wisdom's so hard. Because the world's going to hate you for it. You may tell you why it's so hard to wise up and to, to take some of these things that seem so simple and apply them to our life. It's because we live in a very competitive society. Like we want to be the top dog. We get so caught up when things are happening in somebody's life and we think that those things are better than what I have in our life and we immediately start going, wait a minute, I, I want what they've got. And what we don't realize is some of the things that they went through to get to where they are. That's the reason why Jesus said, as often as you eat of this bread and you drink of this wine, do this in remembrance of me. Well, Pastor Mickey, it's just hard. I just have a hard time getting into God's word. I just, I wish I had some motivation. Is somebody dying for you enough motivation? Scripture says, greater love is no man than this, that he lays down his life for a friend. If somebody died for you, would you call that motivation? I'll go ahead and tell you this weekend, one thing I don't lack is motivation. Like when the President of the United States goes to the tomb of the unknown soldier and has that amazing moment, one thing I don't need is motivation. Because I've realized somebody did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. Church, wise up. You say, I, don't, I just don't want to, you know, I mean, like, I, I understand what you're saying, but a lot of times... The people that I know, when they start really getting into God's word and this thing called Jesus, they get very legalistic and almost pharisaical, and they're just not very fun to be around. Change it. Change that then. I couldn't agree more. You know why we do the community groups we do? You know why we're going to blow some stuff up next week? You know why we're going to have fun in worship? You know why we do all the things? Because it should be different, right? Why? Because somebody gave everything they had for it. You know why we should do the things we do in our country? You know why? Because somebody gave everything they had for it. You know why you should never struggle with voting? Because somebody gave everything they had for it. You say, oh, Mickey, you sound like some southern right winger. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you this is what being an American means. There comes a requirement, right? Because somebody gave their life for this. Therefore, I should have benefits and I should... Relish in those benefits. And if it fits for our country, why would it not fit for our spiritual life? There's two people that died for your freedom. One was in this world, and it was for your freedom in the United States. He's called the American soldier. 
But one was God who took the form of a baby who lived a perfect life and at 33 died on a cross so that you could have freedom from your sin. Church, wise up and quit living like slaves. If the truth has set you free, you are free indeed. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.